Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guests. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Every Sunday morning when we gather together to worship God, we worship according to the examples that we find in God's Word. Uh, and we try our best to pattern ourselves after the, the New Testament church, the church that we find in the first century. And each part of our worship is very important, but usually we find ourselves focusing on uh, more on and putting more emphasis upon the Lord's Supper. And I, and I suppose that's because it is a remembrance of the death that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Uh, most of us take the time to reflect during that, that period of time um, on, on that death. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people that will bow their heads and they'll think consciously about the sacrifice that was made. And, and others will read scripture. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53 seems to be a very popular scripture that people will read. But we do things in order to get our mind in that frame uh, while we're taking the Lord's Supper. But regardless of the method uh, that we use, we find ourselves directing our minds toward the cross. And it's from that concept of directing our minds toward the cross that I want us to enter into our study this morning. Uh, over the next few minutes, I want us to look at four points, uh, four blessings that we receive from Christ's death on the cross. And we'll get into this rather quickly because I, I don't know. I've, I've tried to time myself, but uh, anyway, ho- hopefully we, we have enough time to get through. Number one, Christ's death on the cross brings redemption. Learn how to use that. Uh, the word redemption means to buy back or to set free. And during the first century... Uh, when Christianity was in its infancy, uh, redemption was associated with slavery uh, because slavery was a, a very big part of everyday life. If a person was willing to pay the price, he could, in fact, uh, buy a slave and a slave could be or, or purchase the price of a slave and a slave could be redeemed and set free. Uh, since the time that Adam and Eve committed the first sin in the Garden of Eden, the human race has always had a problem. We've had a sin problem. We've been a slave to sin. Uh, sometimes uh, we, we find ourselves in situations that we'd rather not be in because we're weak and because we do have that type of problem. Even God's chosen race in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, had a problem with sin, and they struggled every day with this problem. Sometimes they were faithful to the Lord, and at other times they would completely turn their back on Him. And when you think about it, every generation since the beginning of time has had one thing in common. And that is that we have been a slave to sin in, as a people as a whole. I think Paul sums it up best when he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And John, in 1 John chapter 1, 8, says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, there is no doubt. That everyone who has ever lived, with the exception of Jesus, will 
at some point in their life be a slave to sin. And we see a great need in the human race for us to be redeemed from the slavery of sin. But before redemption can occur, a price has got to be paid. And the only way that Jesus could bring redemption for the human race was to pay that price for our sins. And he paid the ultimate price by allowing himself to be sacrificed on the cross so that we could be redeemed from our sins. You see, there was no other way that we could be redeemed. In fact, let's listen to what Peter has to say in First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. He says, And if I call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Notice something here uh, in this passage. We're not redeemed by anything that can be found on this earth. You could take all the riches that have ever been amassed and, and you could assemble them in one pile and there's absolutely nothing in that pile of riches. There's absolutely not enough value to redeem us from our sins. And Peter makes it clear that our man-made tradition also certainly cannot redeem us. It was only by the precious blood of Jesus that it, that there was enough value found to redeem us from our sins. Did we deserve this redemption? Is there something that we did for God in such a way that He owed us a favor? No, absolutely not. If a rich man in the first century were to observe a slave that was honest, that was obedient, uh, that was a, a perfect model of a slave, he could say to himself, this man deserves to be free. And I'm going to redeem him. But but certainly this is not the case when it comes to the human race. Man was guilty of sin. There was, there was no price aside from the blood of Jesus that could redeem us. We didn't deserve to be free. And therefore our redemption came at a very, very high price. Ephesians chapter 1, 7 says, In Him we have redemption through the blood, or through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of His grace. And in Romans 3.24, Paul also wrote, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Under the law of Moses, there was a continual struggle, a struggle to deal with sin. God had even set up a priesthood. And the high priest would offer a blood sacrifice from animals to deal with the sins of the people year after year. Uh, and it was very important. It, it was an important system in the Old Testament to, to the Jewish race. However, true redemption from sin, as we can see, didn't come from the animal sacrifices. True forgiveness or true redemption could only come through our high priest, Jesus. So how, how do we gain access to that wonderful blessing of redemption that comes from the cross? Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18 tells us, do, not, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So in order... For us to be redeemed from our sins, we have to obey the gospel. The Bible makes it really easy for us to choose what we will be a slave to. 
If we continue to be a slave to sin, then it's going to lead to spiritual death. And, and we're going to end up finding ourselves uh, sharing a room with the devil and his angels in a place that's prepared for them. But if we choose, on the other hand, to be a slave to righteousness, that is, that is a person who is going to serve God and do their best to obey His will, then you're going to find yourself in heaven and you're going to be surrounded by the glorious light of God where you will spend eternity in peace and love. The second point this morning, Christ's death on the cross brings love. In John chapter 3, Jesus uh, encounters a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And we all know that story of, of the questioning that, that Nicodemus posed to Christ. And Jesus tells the man that, that you have to be born again or you're not going to be able to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, Nicodemus, you know, he really didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. So he, he questioned this. And, and, and he asked Jesus, he said, what does that mean? Well, after Jesus explains the new birth to him, he goes on to explain the motivating force behind salvation. And we find that in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, as Ron read a few minutes ago, we'll read again at this time. And it said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. In verse 14, Jesus uh, talks about how he, he would die and how salvation would come. And at one point, for the children of Israel... Uh, they had rebelled against God out in the wilderness, and He had sent fiery serpents to uh, to bite the children of Israel, and a lot of them were afflicted by that. And Moses prays for them, and God instructs Moses. He says, "Now, now make this serpent out of bronze, and and put it on a pole, and um, if someone gets bitten by one of these serpents, uh, tell them to look at it, and and, and they're not going to die." Uh, do you see the symbolism here between the the salvation being lifted up and also with Jesus being raised up on the cross before we could have forgiveness of our sins? Uh, the word love used in verse 16 comes from the Greek word agape, and we've heard that word a lot, and that is the strongest form of the word love that is in existence. Uh, it, is, it is a love that is unselfish. It is a love that is... Uh, uh, never ending. It, it is a love that is, uh, does not discriminate. It is a love that, that God has for us. A person who has this kind of love will put other people's needs above the needs of their own self. And Jesus speaks of this kind of love in John chapter 15 verse 13 where he says, greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Um, let me give you a, an example of this kind of love. There, there was a, there was a little girl who needed a kidney transplant. And um, is this thing crackly? I'm going to turn this off. Nathan, just go to the... There was a little girl who needed a kidney transplant. And uh, it was going to be a life-saving transplant. So a search was made uh, all over. And uh, a donor could not be found that was compatible to her. Uh, but it was finally discovered that her little brother was the only one who had a kidney that matched that would save her life. So when they asked him about giving one of his kidneys, he thought to himself for a minute, and then he said, okay, I'm willing. 
And so they rolled him into the operating room side by side. And a few moments later, the little boy looked at the doctor and he says, how long is it now before I die? Uh, he had agreed to give a kidney thinking that, that that was the only one he had and thinking that he was going to save his sister's life. And in, at the same time, uh, in his mind, he was thinking that he would lose his life. This is the type of love that we're talking about. Jesus expressed this same kind of love for the entire human race, and he knew, nothing, knew without a doubt that it would cost him his life. And again, uh, we ask ourselves, did we deserve this kind of love? No, instead, we really deserve eternal punishment for the sins that we've committed. Romans chapter 5, verse 7 says, For scarcely a righteous man will die, or for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It was love, love for the human race, love for the creation that God had made that motivated Jesus to go to the greatest depths of suffering that, that we could ever imagine, to drink that bitter cup of death so that, that, that sinners like us, like you and me, could, could have forgiveness of our sins. And every person who has ever been saved knows that feeling, and they know that, that uh, the joy that comes along with that. Number three, the cross brings hope. After Jesus talked to the rich young ruler who wasn't willing to give up his riches to follow Christ, he told him some things. And we all remember that story. <clears throat> A young man comes to Jesus and, and he wants to know what it is that he has to do to be saved. What, what do I have to do to <clears throat> inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him what he needed to do. And he said, all these things I've done since, since, I've, been, since I've been young. I've kept all these commandments. So, so what is it that I lack? And he told him, he said, take those things that you have, sell them, give it to the poor, and take up your cross and follow me. Uh, and we know that the rich young ruler went away sad because he loved his things. He loved the things that, that he had amassed on this earth more than he loved God. Uh, Mark chapter ten twenty five is a response that Jesus had after <clears throat> that conversation. He said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Jesus makes it clear that, that we do not have the ability to save ourselves. We have to rely on God for salvation. Uh, and it's only through Jesus' death on the cross that we can be saved. So, so from this, we can clearly see that the cross has brought hope into all our lives and that we can be saved and have heaven as our home. Without Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, this hope would not be possible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 through 19, it says, For the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also, <clears throat> those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we <clears throat> have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most miserable. It will be a sad existence for us to not have that hope. Could you imagine life without that hope? Could you imagine how different life would be if we had only this short existence here on earth, that there was nothing that we had to look forward to after this life? Could you imagine facing all the hardships that we face in life alone? 
I know for me it would be very difficult. It would actually be a miserable uh, idea for that to be the case. Uh, to many of us, and rightly so, if we did not have the hope of eternal life, life would not be worth living. But thank goodness that Jesus died for our sins and, and that he was raised from the dead so that we have this hope and that we can rejoice in this hope. Uh, notice what Paul says in Romans 15, verse 13. He says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As Christians, uh, we should abound. Uh, that is to be exceedingly joyful. We should be exceedingly joyful in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. First Peter chapter one verse thirteen tells us, therefore gird up your loins, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And on over in verses twenty through twenty one, he indeed was for for ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him Believe in God who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. I hope we never forget that the cross brings hope to our life. And I hope we never forget uh, uh, the price that was paid so that we could have this hope in our life. Our last point of the morning, and, and probably the most dear to all of us, is the fact that the cross brings forgiveness. Another important thing that we have to remember is that without Jesus' death on the cross, the forgiveness of our sins would be impossible. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, we read, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You know, even when Jesus was on the cross, before he died, he looked down at all the people that were mocking him and making fun of him. And you can only imagine the things that he went through uh, leading up to uh, the actual crucifixion. But in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, he uttered these words. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. You know, that that to me is one of the most uh, amazing examples of love uh, that Christ could have uh, put forth. He, he was a loving Savior that we have, and and he asked his father to forgive those people who had done nothing but hate him, who had done nothing but 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 tortured him, who who had who had rejected him. And when Jesus died and his blood was shed, he made it possible for everybody be, to be forgiven, even those people that were uh, uh, so much against him and were willing to kill him. Um, but he was willing to forgive everybody that was willing to accept God, saving grace, and obey his commands. When Paul and the other missionaries traveled around the country preaching the gospel, they, they, they had the opportunity to remind people that Christ's uh, death on the cross offered forgiveness for our sins. Paul told his audience at Antioch uh, that Jesus had brought to the world forgiveness. Uh, Acts chapter 13 verse 38 says, Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. So if we want the forgiveness of sins that the cross brings to us, then we obey the gospel call. It, it's that simple. Uh, we hear, we believe, we repent, we confess, and we are baptized into Christ's death. First uh, Peter chapter 3, I'm going to skip forward just quickly here.
First Peter chapter three, verse twenty-one says, "There is also an antitype which now saves us: baptism, not the removal of the filth from the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ." These are all things that, that we just that we just went through rather quickly that pertain to a person who, who who must what a person must do to accept the saving grace of God. But the Bible gets even more specific when a person's at which time a person's sins are forgiven. In Acts two thirty eight, uh, then Peter said to them, "Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for what." For the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at that time. Uh, so we see from Acts two thirty eight that baptism is, is a necessary component of our salvation. Peter speaks very clearly here, and he says that baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is when a person receives forgiveness of their sins, not at any other point. Acts twenty two verse sixteen says, "And now why are you waiting? Rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord." This is talking about Paul's conversion to Christianity, and we we all know that account. Paul at this point had believed in Jesus. We know that because on the road he he had called him Lord. And we know that he had repented because he had gone three days without eating and uh, or drinking. And, and he had been praying continually to God. But, but what do we find out past this point about Paul? We find out that he was still in his sins because Ananias came to Paul and he told him what he must do to wash away his sins. He told him to arise and be baptized. Uh, now, now, there's nothing magical about the water. It, it's simply a place that God has ha, has told us. It is simply a, a place where he will wash away our sins with the blood of Jesus. In fact, uh, uh, Paul puts it best in, in Colossians 2, uh, verses 11 through 13, when he says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Um, notice here that it's, it's, it's by our faith in God that we can know that when we allow ourselves to be baptized, we can truly believe that we are being buried with Christ and, and that our sins are being washed away. Uh, with the same faith in God, we, we can know that when we are raised up out of that water, that we are being raised with Christ and all of our sins are being forgiven at that time. So without a, a doubt, baptism is the point that we receive the wonderful gift of forgiveness that the cross has to offer. Um, but this is just this is just one aspect of forgiveness because once you become a child of God, you're, you you still sin from time to time, and we know that no one is perfect and, and we make mistakes. But once you are a child of God, you will simply repent and confess your sin to God, and it will be forgiven. First John chapter one verse seven says, "But if we walk in the light." I missed that slide. Anyway, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, All around the world today, uh, people have gathered together uh, by millions uh, to, to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, many people around the world view this as a as a holy day and uh, and as a remembrance of that death. Uh, and uh, this is one of the days uh, out of the year that that uh, a lot of people are, are focused upon the death, burial, and resurrection of uh, Jesus. Uh, in the Lord's Church, we know that each and every Sunday we put great emphasis upon that that death, burial, and resurrection when we partake of the Lord's Supper, and and we we take the time each Sunday to remember that each Lord's Day, and we consider each Lord's Day a a special day to us because it is a day of worship and a day of us coming together to to worship together and sing songs of praise. Uh, but on this day, I hope that we've been able to focus our minds upon the cross a little bit uh, greater. Uh, I know that, that I'm not uh, the greatest speaker, uh, but uh, a lot of times all God needs is a willing vessel, and uh, I was willing, so this is where we ended up this morning. I know my lesson may have been a, a bit shorter than what we're used to, but uh, that'll be all right. Uh, this morning, uh, there may be those among us who have never had the opportunity to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe something that's been said this morning has got you to thinking about that. Maybe, uh, maybe you've been thinking about it a lot lately. Uh, we are prepared if you're ready to make that decision to put on Christ in baptism to, to make that happen this morning. Or maybe you're with us and, and you, uh, have, have strayed away from, from the things that you need to be doing and, and, you strayed away from God and, and you would like forgiveness of your sins and you would like to have a closer relationship with Him.